the homegrown radio, Chuck Dizzle, DJ Head. West Coast. Yes, you are <laughs> ready for it. Uh, and you. that's why he's the homegrown homie. Hey. Uh, <laughs> me a that's word. never happened before. Right, right. It's the first time. He's I know like, what's going to happen. <laughs> We got an, an Emmy award-winning uh, sports reporter in the house with us right now. I mean, I'm just excited to talk about this man's journey and everything he has going on. Um, You've seen him before. Nah, say it again? I said of course you have, man. <laughs> Kevin Quank is in the building with us right now, man. Appreciate y'all for having me. You did it perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I always you made my grandpa very proud right thank now. You, thank you, thank you, man. Um, so so tell people, the, the, the well, we'll get into the journey, but for yeah. the folks that don't know who uh, Kevin Quank is, let us know where you're from, um, what you're about, and just kind Kind of the spiel as to who you are, my yeah, man. Yeah, I, I think for me, like the way that you know most people come across my my page is, is from these car music videos that I started doing last May. But right. um, I've been a sports reporter for 15 years, and that was really my journey from Northern California to uh-huh. going out to Texas. Um, I was I went to high school in Napa, okay, and then lived in San Jose for six years, and that was my first job out of college. Mm-hmm. And so we covered high school sports throughout the entire Bay Area. So I was able to build relationships with people from all over the Bay. Um, and, you know, now, like, if you said what, what's home, to me, it's, it's the Bay. It's um, Napa specifically. It's where my mom and my brother both live. And, um, and then went out to Texas for almost five years doing sports reporting out there for two different TV stations. And then was able to make my way to L.A. and work for CBS and KCAL for about three years. Nice, so nice. Three, almost three and a half years, actually. Um, and that's when I started doing these, these car music videos that have um, – slowly but surely built a following and also relationships with guys like you hell yeah um, it's been great I I think that's the thing that people just don't expect it when they see the video they're like yo who is this cat that knows G Perico Mm -hmm. you know all these all these homegrown homies but then also cats from the bay and just 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 artists that you may not think that you're into but I know that that you know you loyal to the soil you know Mm -hmm. about these cats you're you're familiar with them and you you embrace hip hop to the point where that's the soundtrack to to your lifestyle as well Mm -hmm. man Um, but, but speak about that like that being the thing that people are turning to mm-hmm. what was that moment or or did you realize like okay damn this is kind of turning up so the the first moment where i realized that there was real potential in it because i had <laughs> done some of these car music videos even back when i was in texas but they were always very um kind of just spontaneous laid back i'd be dressed in sweats or t-shirt or whatever mm-hmm. and uh there was one day where i was driving i don't even honestly remember where i was driving from but that day i had a dress shirt and a tie on and i did uh a daz and corrupt song and when daz <laughs> uh when daz reposted it was it who ride it was um ride with us yeah um and so when i did that song Daz and Krupp Krupp and Daz on it <laughs> when I did it and then Daz reposted it so I got a little bit of a follow like some new followers also but when I watched it back for me it was a moment of like because I'm my own worst critic mm-hmm. so when I watched it back it looked different and more funny than the other ones because mm-hmm. I looked like a square too gotcha. yeah and so I was like there's something to this I need to follow this formula and also you know I think the first video that really showed me to continue to do like local dudes even like kind of underground at the point yeah. at that point was like savvy third yeah because when yep. i did savvy third it, he, i think he was at like twelve thousand instagram followers wow. at that time it was early on it was before the deal with cash money west and everything and uh but i saw how loyal his fan base was and how hard long beach was going not only for him yeah. but for the video that i did and they were like taken aback by it and i think seeing that and their reaction was like all right let's keep it hyper local let's build it from here and like let's sh- show some local dudes like g perico yeah. and, and other guys who are 
like we knew about them, mm-hmm. us, yeah. but like, you know, you're not hearing about them. You're not hearing them on, you know, mainstream radio every day either. Yeah. So I think that was cool because I knew that it would impact them more. It would help them more. And also it would create some real relationships as opposed to me just being in my car and doing Drake songs yeah, every yeah, week, yeah. you know? So I think that's what uh, has been cool is like building those real relationships from this area and then expanding it to what the made day. you what made you want to fuck with hip-hop though is it is it something that come natural to you or like is it something that you fuck with on a regular basis yeah like, absolutely yeah. so like we moved down as a family my my parents divorced when i was in eighth grade we moved from washington state to the bay to napa and um and so at that time especially the next year like i remember my first cds that i bought that year i bought three cds and it was uh fuji's the score mm. it was too short getting it and it was mac mall untouchable <laughs> that was the three cds That's that i crazy. bought and i rem- and i've since like gone back and forth with mac mall about that as well and uh and he always shows love and, and too short has done the same and so that was you know that was eighth going into ninth grade and then once i got to high school my brother was a senior i was a freshman and we both played basketball and at that time it went napa American Canyon and Vallejo. That was like geographically, that's how it went. So a lot of the kids from American Canyon were bussed into Napa. Mm-hmm. And so they would bring this, they would bring Doobie and they would bring Mac Dre and yeah. Be Legit and E40 and these, these songs with them to like the basketball team, right? So now these guys are like on the warm up CDs and stuff. Um, I remember the, it, this, one of the songs that I was able to do once I went back to cover the Super Bowl in Atlanta was uh, Goody Mob. I remember that specifically was the first track on my brother's warm-up CD when they would come out and circle the court wow. as a basketball team. It was, <laughs> Who's that peeking in yeah. my window? Yeah. 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 So, like, we have these, you know, I had these moments, and I, you know, just very fortunate that at that time there was so much great music coming out of the Bay Area. Uh, crest side, hillside, like, you had these real strong sick with it yeah romp records like you just had this you had so much great timeless music coming out at that point and uh and and i just gravitated to it so even when i went to college in upstate new york at syracuse like my friends used to make fun of me because i was always playing e40 and too short and all these bay area dudes and they're like what the they hell is no this idea who it is, like yeah. why are they saying that? what's hella mean yeah. Yeah. they had no idea about <laughs> this stuff on game with yeah. the yeah. and the no clue. And that. that's crazy so, so yeah it's always been the music that i've that i've listened to that's what's now, up. it's funny he just said it like just in passing he's like yeah when i covered the super bowl you know like like it was nothing you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying like but that that's that's major so talk about your journey as a as a sports journalist man and and how that passion grew into you know what you're doing now but just the early days of that yeah so like you know i was i was fortunate in washington state my mom got me in the theater Mm -hmm. and so i and at that point i actually like used to sing a lot like every you used to sing yeah for real sing like like, like, like real vocals. sing yeah like Who, you an alto no i was a i was a high tenor you was a tenor yeah so i would do i would do uh, musical theater every time the school would have an assembly i'd be singing solos and like, it is like opera i did actually did one opera i was a kid playing in an opera that's um, crazy but not like most of the stuff was just like musical theater but not on the opera side so like broadway musical yeah type that shit. kind of stuff yeah oh, damn. so that's where like the um the being comfortable in front of the camera and on stage stuff started and once my passion for sports grew i knew i wasn't going to go pl- pro playing basketball but i knew that i could stay around sports through broadcasting <laughs> and so i once after college i came back to the bay and worked for six years and then was able to get out to texas and really own my skills and 
find my voice and um, learn how to really put together stories and also anchor. That was my first time really anchoring on like a live newscast. Um, and so coming out to LA was a huge thrill. Like, you know, I came out here and I worked for three and a half years at, at freelance. And so there's tons of ups and downs. Like I've, mm, I've been demoted and um, been on food stamps and unemployment and all that stuff. But really ultimately what got me through all those moments was just the passion for it and, and being able to like, you know, cover the Dodgers and the Lakers. And, and I was able to cover uh, two NBA finals in Texas out here. I was able to cover two world series and wow. a Super Bowl. So wow. like those moments are, even though the industry is changing a ton and has changed a ton and the longevity and the, um, a lot of the parts of the business side of it aren't the same as when probably I was in college. And I think there's just, from that aspect, not as great of a business anymore, but those moments, those experiences that I was, that I was able to have, or, you know, things I'll tell my kids and my grandkids about. Absolutely. So like that stuff's priceless. And I'm so thankful and grateful that I was able to have that journey. Now, did you have a passion for sports or did you have a passion for journalism? Did you have a passion for broadcasting? Or was it a passion for just being in front of the camera? Like what, mm. when you're talking to the guy that, you know, the, 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 what, 13, 14 year old Kevin that's buying the score, right? Yeah. What were you, what, in your mind, what were you, what did you want to do? What did you see yourself doing at that age? You know, I think I had to decide if I wanted to do like play by play mm -hmm. or reporting. Um, ultimately, but, it was just a passion for sports and gotcha. being around sports. Gotcha. You know, I think to be able to say, hey, I'm going to work today and it's, you're going to a Laker game and you're sitting in the second row and you're just hanging out. That's and you crazy. Interview Kobe and then you do a live shot and that's it. Like, that's, I that, mean, you guys that, are passionate about what you do, and it's yeah. the same thing where it's like, yeah, it's work, but there's a lot worse things you could be doing, and yeah. I enjoyed the hell out of it, and it was an, an amazing ride, man, for almost 15 years, so I had a blast. Now, I, I was watching a video that you did um, about, you, you mentioned that you got demoted, right? Mm -hmm. And there, there was this video, you got you correct me about if I'm wrong, but you, you were talking about your journey to get this position, mm. and then you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then, but you specifically sent something to your boss saying, you know, what if any opportunities come up, let me know, you know, let me know what I have to do. Mm -hmm. What, where did that come from it, from your personality sense to say, let me not point the finger at somebody else mm -hmm. or the industry or the politics or yeah. the things that we all see. And I'm sure we're all guilty of saying it too. We, we have yeah. all been through ups and downs in this business. But, but for you, what, what was that switch to say, you know what, I got to work on myself and how can I make myself better when the position becomes open? Yeah, for me, it's all about just controlling what you can control. Mm -hmm. And you hear that all the time from sports and athletes in their realm. Um, and it's, so it's a cliche to a certain extent, but for me, it's really true. Like I've never tried to worry about anything that I do from an artistic standpoint or a journalistic standpoint, because everything that I do and that you guys do, it's all subjective. Mm -hmm. The camera guys, everything that we're doing here right now is it's art and it's subjective. Right. Some person over here could be like, Oh, that's amazing. We love it. So another person over here could be like, hate it. Don't yeah. want to see it anymore. Fuck that. You know? And yeah. so I think, knowing that about this business and entertainment industry and, and all that. And it's like, let me control what I can control and not worry about anything outside of that, because you're always going to deal with, you know, a boss having a relationship with somebody else or, you know, the politics of it, money, salaries, et cetera. Like just people having their favorites. Like mm -hmm. that's 
what it part of every yeah, workspace. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, let me focus on me. Let the rest of the shit fall where it's going to fall, and I'll be I'll be all right. Because at the end of the day, like we're all blessed to be doing what we love, Absolutely. even if the specifics of it aren't as like exactly how we want them. When you, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, but just kind of expanding on that, like, yeah. was that something that was in your upbringing? Was that something that, that you learned from your parents, or did you see somebody else's opportunity and it just clicked for you? Like, oh, okay, that's that moment where I realized that was something that, that you were taught, or just just in you. You know, I I, I want to say that I'm really fortunate to have a, a, a mom that you know showed me what hard work looks like and what um what perseverance looks like what dedication looks like I had an older brother who was um you know a role model as well and was really my father figure so i definitely want to you know give props to them i think a lot of the stuff too just came from learning from my own failures and setbacks along the journey of almost 15 years because you know like you i got out to texas and this is where like you know, Nipsey Hussle's marathon comes to play because in 2010, when I was in College Station, Texas, I got passed up for two promotions after like busting my ass. I was driving an hour and a half and back to work every day and filling in for people and um, and then got passed up for, for two openings. And I was really pissed off and I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to get out of that station. And I was making like no money. And I remember hearing uh, Love, his song, and... Um, you know, just hearing him talk about this marathon approach helped me to realize like, all right, if you have this focus and this laser focus and I can get really determined on certain things and that's great, but you need to change the the mindset that I was attacking things with and just know that like there's going to be things you can't control yeah. and you've got to look at it like a marathon. There's going to be ups and downs and that just because this person got this job that you should have been promoted for doesn't mean you're not going to beat them at the end of the race. And mm -hmm. I think that's what, you know, like the two guys that were, uh, were hired ahead of me at that first position, like they ended up, they're not even in the business anymore. Wow. And I'll get to, you know, later on why I'm not, but like, you know, I was able to then move on to San Antonio and then move on to LA. So like I was able to climb that mountain and they just stayed where they were, even though at that point, they were ahead of me. Gotcha. I could definitely relate to that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys have both been been grinding. It was, um, you know, I'm going to blank on the lyric, but I just remember pulling over and uh, it was like I was out of a Chick-fil-A. It was late at night and I opened the car door and, and Nipsey was blaring and I was literally like screaming the lyrics and it was um, far from where I'm going, but I'm uh, far from where I'm going, but I'm far from home. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, somehow i know i'm on the right path kind of thing and like you know my mom always said i was going to be special mm -hmm. I, I don't remember the exact lyric but i'd but have it, to look it, it up struck a chord man it resonated um, with you but with yeah you. and that's why like just his whole marathon mindset really helped me navigate and I, thankfully i was able to to thank him for that right. uh, a few weeks ago and um and you obviously played a huge instrumental part in that and just being able to thank him face to face meant so much to me because those words, his music helped me get through not only that moment, but then three and a half years at the next station in Texas and then another three of ups and downs here in L.A. So it was just riding that ride. When you talk about Nip, like, I mean, obviously we, you know, we love Nipsey mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then you actually made it a point to, like, go down there, show your love to Nipsey when he did when he was doing his event and whatnot. Um, did you do you feel like. Do you feel like we gave Nipsey his props while he was here? Or you feel like it was still more meat on that bone as far as like who he was as a, as a, as as a fan as a culture. 
You know what? I really do feel like he saw the impact that he had because having gone there for the grand opening, the collaboration with Planes, and seeing just the outpouring of support, like you guys showing up, the taco trucks out there with yeah. Taco Mel and Mr. Fry's man and the place being packed and the line being around the corner. Like that's not happening for every artist. And, and, and especially like coming right back to his, his area, his hometown and being able to do that. Like, yeah, I think we were able to, to show him that. I think um, th that's one of the things that I'm, I guess it's one of the silver linings of, of his passing, even though that's really hard to say it's, yeah. it's that, he saw how much love was around and people were buying his mixtapes for a hundred dollars and then his mixtapes for a thousand dollars. And Jay-Z was, you know, yeah. right there with them. And like, he had these big artists showing him love. And he also, in a lot of ways, changed the blueprint and the, and the map of success and how I know from a, a consumer standpoint, how I view successful artists, like, yeah, do you even, ha do you have your masters? Do you own any of this stuff? Like right. we started to think about this stuff. I know artists had to. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think we, um, we showed him love. You can always, you know, show, show more love, but, um, being able to thank him in person meant a lot to me and I'm out here on a mission and I'm all alone, mm. far from where I'm going, but I'm far from home. Mm -hmm. Somehow I know I'm something up, so <laughs> I'm gonna get it. Man. I, I mean, I almost I added a I second ago before it, you yeah. asked the question, man. Yeah. Damn. You you were you were you were speaking about that, man, and just just talking about Nip. Um, obviously the the impact of the culture, but for you personally, how, yeah. how did you take his death immediately when you heard the news? Man, it sucked, dude. I was at uh I was at the Compton AV music video shoot, yeah. and so we were actually between locations, and uh, we had just finished up this like really silly mock news reporter live segment on the corner and av walks up and it's just like really silly right and i'm in like a suit like i'm doing a real newscast and uh and so he's like all right let's go to the next spot and so i'm walking to my car and i had a missed call and then i got another call and um it was my friend jasmine and she said have you heard what happened to nipsey and i was like no what are you, what are you talking about she's like he's been he got shot six times like i don't know if he's gonna be okay and and so at that point i'm just sitting in my car getting ready to go to the next location i'm just like looking at my twitter feed and figuring out all right is this like something that he can pull through from or is this like Seriously. this is it you know and so we still didn't know i went to the next location we were all standing out front everybody was talking about it um his buddy curtis and um, the artist triliano was there we were like discussing it and at that point still nobody knew that he had passed and i, I was literally just sitting there refreshing my tweet my twitter feed every two seconds and um and then i saw that that he passed and i remember i walked i just like left the group i walked away like I almost left the whole shoot, uh, and I sit there for like maybe I don't know, fifteen minutes or so. And um, but I didn't want to just walk out on AV. And I saw, like, I saw the pain in his eyes, but also understanding how music video shoots go and how much money and time and effort and logistics and planning go into that. Like I knew that he needed to finish that right then and there. Yeah. And so we ended up having a, a, a really cool moment together. Like I had a, coincidentally, I was wearing a Magic Johnson 32 jersey, the one that he's pictured in courtside <laughs> like, like, all the time. Somebody. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or just in general. Yeah. 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 And so, um, you know, I went, and, and we, AV and I knocked out the last two scenes and I'm, you know, like at first I didn't even really know what AV needed from me and um, it ended up being like a full performance, which you guys will see with this uh, music video for Let Him Hate with OT Genesis. Um, so we had a blast doing it, but it was, it was, it was like one of those moments where it was like, all right, let's just show love in our, in, like, this is the circumstance. This is where we are. 
how can we show love? Yeah. And like, let's, you know, because at the end of the day, he'd want you to, you know, gas the V12 to the pipe and smoke. Exactly. Like he'd want you to go hard on it. Yeah. So, um, so that's what we did. And we try to make the best of it. Do you think that, do you think that it's what, like, I felt like it was worse because of how he died. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And yep. I also felt like most people looked at that because, you know, the videos got to circulate and, yep. and, and, and all of that shit. But, um, I think that most people who like got a chance to meet Nip and whatnot mm-hmm. all mutually agree like he didn't deserve that. Hell no. You know no, what I'm saying? Man, I, I, I no wouldn't wish did. that on nobody, but he specifically didn't deserve that. In front of his own store. And and we, we can, you know, rehash this, but essentially like I'll never watch the video, but just reading the the description of, of what happened and, and really it seems like you know, bless his heart. I wish uh and I know he wishes more than anybody that, that J Rock would have been there. And I was able to um you know, give him my condolences in person that night. He was at the, at the little vigil, uh, out front of marathon store that night and, um, just got to hug him and say, Hey man, you know, like obviously this isn't on you. This ain't on you yeah. Keep your head up. But you know that just how he's wired big dude, he's been with him every step of the way. Yeah. Like, you know, he wishes more than anybody that he was there. And, and really, honestly, it seems like if just one person was there, right. That was, strapped or knew how to handle that situation it would have been a whole different thing because he wouldn't have been able to come back a couple times and that's what's that's what's really you know unfortunate about the situation and i'm sure you know black sam his brother who i got to meet who could not have been nicer when i went to the the marathon store Uh, i want to give him a huge shout out because i did this real quick segment when i was on cbs and i i basically said as as philosopher nipsey hustle would say (laughs) it's a marathon not a sprint and I think me using philosopher instead of rapper mm. on the news, A, from like a, a viewer standpoint, like I think sometimes certainly our demographic would like put a rapper in a box. Yeah, whereas correct. you say philosopher and they're like, well, mm. who's that? Right, What's right. his name? Um, and so I think, and then from, you know, from Nipsey's standpoint, they reached out right away afterwards and like, um, you know, Letty, his uh, road manager's wife, yeah fiance whatever like they uh she reached out right away reposted it and then um the marathon store my buddy juan from over there hit me up he's like hey you know nipsey wants us to have you come in like whenever is good for you like we just want to be able to show you some love and and you know have you come by so i went by there and black sam was there and he took me next door to the barbershop that wasn't even open yet it was just like give me a tour of the whole spot and it was just really great energy um and you know obviously our hearts and prayers go out to his brother black sam and the whole family because it's it's not just like absolutely nipsey was like a huge driving force in in what i've been able to do in terms of my sports broadcasting stuff but his ascension is also you know thanks to a lot like his circle his the people around him dj right. vip and jorge and yep. black sam and all these yep. dudes j-rock his bodyguard like all these dudes are really there with him and jay stone all these artists that yeah. are like his family you know yeah. like gave him that that confidence that security that um they kept his well-being and like just were there for him as he was the voice for that whole area yeah um, but as you said like it's just a sh- such a shame because he was a man of such great character and heart um and at the end of the day bullets take that away real yeah. quick yeah i wanted to ask you too uh because you brought up the i remember you did that on the philosopher thing mm-hmm. when you said when you talked about nip on the uh on mm-hmm. the broadcast mm-hmm. what do you think is the biggest divide and then we'll go transition into yeah. like your story but what do you think is the biggest like division between mainstream broadcasting and the hip-hop community 
I think it's uh, people scared, first and foremost. Like, And I mean that from a couple standpoints. I mean that from, you know, if, if you're a reporter or an anchor and you're playing rap music in your car and you put it out on your social media, how are the news director and the, new, the general manager, how are these people going to view it? Hmm. And then on top of that, you have from, from the, the management type perspective too, is like, how does this make us look as a station? Hmm. Is this too real? Is this too hardcore? Whatever. And so like, for me, I was always very mindful of like, if there was a curse word, I was taking it out. You'll never hear the N word on any of the songs that I do. And that's very much like a, that's, very serious to me like I, I never wanted it to be the kind of thing where because i've got you know kids that i volunteer with over the mar vista gardens boys and girls club that are following me on my instagram like i don't want it to be the kind of thing where it was um you know bringing negative stuff to their eyes but ultimately like there's so much goodness coming out of rap music in this area and people as they're as they're coming up trying to change their lives and the lives of their families and the people around them uh, and there's just a lot of great art coming out and for me it was like this is the music that i listen to anyways and i'm gonna shine some light on it and if that brings something um down the pipeline from management then that's what it is but at the end of the day i i i just feel like it's it's people scared of being who they are and you know, obviously it was easier for me because I don't have a family and kids. Like I might have looked at it different had I had other people depending on my paycheck yeah, too. Two you know mortgages, I mean? yeah, three like, kids. Yeah, it could be a different story. Like if you and 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 on top of that, you know, if like you're a main face of a station, there's more pressure on you. For me, I was freelance sports. Like I didn't really feel like I needed to be this perfect image type of dude. But I think, you know, it's tough for companies like whether it's Real 923 or or CBS kcal 9 it's like they've got to appease certain people and an audience and they've got to be mindful of certain things that i don't have to be mindful of and uh, i mean i can be mindful of them but at the end of the day i need to be able to live my life and fortunately there's so many different avenues for me to be creative and create content that tv was an amazing platform for 15 years for me and i was able to do amazing things and have these awesome experiences like we talked about but there's a whole, there's so many other ways that I can make a living and creating content that's more true to who I am as a person anyway. Like, yeah. this is who I am. Yeah. And you keep saying was, so you're no longer doing the TV thing. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's crazy. Um, I came back from the Super Bowl and I was off for two days and I came to work that Thursday and that's when they fired me. And so, like, the last thing I did on air was rap uh, Big Boy's verse from an Outkast song hmm. on live TV when I was out in Atlanta that morning <laughs> show. Uh, so what was what was really cool was I had probably 15 people, whether it was reporters or anchors at the station, like all the main faces, all like the full-time people coming up to me and either on air or off air saying like, we love what you're doing. This is so cool. Like you've got this great following going now and like just keep doing it keep doing your shit and it gave me uh, maybe a false sense of confidence in terms of like how management would see it but ultimately i didn't really feel like i was doing anything wrong by showing love to artists with rap music um but when i came back they um our social media guidelines 
are very tough at our station. Like literally, if you guys have a real 92.3 page and I come and like it on Instagram, that's a violation because that's an endorsement of your guys' station ah. or your company, your oh, brand. that's crazy. Exactly. Wow. So if, if that's a violation, then you can imagine me riding around bumping Jeep Rico <laughs> is a whole nother right, violation. Right, right. So, I mean, you got you to gotta understand that the guidelines themselves are set up so that you're literally just going to work and if you're using social media, it's, hey, I'm here covering this story, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's a picture of me and, my, uh, you know, you and your kids or something. But yeah. it's like, it's got to be literally what the is, most yeah. vanilla, let me ask you, let me, go lucky stuff. Let me ask you a question. Because we yeah. talk, obviously, we talked about this, but I just want to ask you this. Because I was thinking about this uh, the other day when I saw you. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your love for hip-hop and the culture cost you your job? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And... Ultimately, I was trying to work for myself around the summertime anyways. Like, I felt like that would be a good time for me to continue to ramp up my social media stuff. But, but yeah, I, I, having had the meeting and, and being fired and how it went down, and um, absolutely. I, I don't think it would have been this case had I been singing Ariana Grande songs. Facts. Um, and so, yeah. and even with that said, though, like... That's not me saying, man, fuck the station. Of course like, not. No, you know no. what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like, I was having fun. And, again, it's subjective. Like, yeah. I can be like, hey, I feel like this is fine. And someone in management can be like, I don't think this is fine. Right. And we got to let you go. Did you get any kind of, like, backlash? Or did somebody just get hit up to say, hey, look, don't do that. We saw the Perico video. <laughs> or we saw the dads and corrupt. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it away from that. Like, no. did you get any kind of backlash? Well, no, because, you know, for me, it was um, it was one of those things where it definitely caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. Because having so many different people from the station come up and, and give encouragement. Show love. And yeah. literally on air be like, hey, can you... Uh, can you do that song? Like wow. the last time that I, when I, that last thing I did at the Super Bowl was literally a, a, a morning news anchor who's, who's an awesome person. And she was like, Hey, this is our social media star. Kev, you got like a verse for us before you, we, you know, you get back on this plane. So it was encouraged. Yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, like that doesn't mean management was encouraging. And so, uh, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things where like, there's no hard feelings at the end of the day. I know that, you know, my, my path is, and, and God's plan for me is, is bigger than what I was able to do in the confined space of that station. And I just feel like I was able to get out of that journey, what I was able to get out of it. And now it's time for me to to utilize this this following that I've built, these relationships that I've built, um, the connections I've made, and and just really tap into not only who I am, but also like this this really devoted following on these social media platforms and the fact that that can be a whole nother way for me to create content now where i in, in you know in, in the words of nip is like fuck the middleman i don't really need a tv station at the end of the day yeah. to do a lot of the stuff that i want to do ultimately um but it was great while i did it i made you know i have awesome relationships you know my guy andre in here right now like as a camera guy um you know there's so many people at that station that showed love while i was there and were great to work with and um and that's ultimately what i'm going to take away from it um but yeah as far as the, the original question yeah i think it had a lot to do with just the kind of music and the disconnect like because you got to understand it could have not even 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 been someone from the station that made the decision we have a corporate office in new york Uh, that literally could have seen this stuff after me doing my super bowl thing and uh and been like what the hell is this like 
why isn't this guy fired yet? Yeah. And that makes, you know, our, our news director look bad if she doesn't drop the hammer or, or acts like she knew about it. She's got to be like, yo, I have no do. idea, right. but I'm dropping the hammer today. Gotcha. Because at the end of the day, it's just falling in line. What, what I don't understand, and maybe you can help me understand yeah. this, or we can just have a discussion, like... There's no doubt that hip hop is the most popular music out there, mm-hmm. right? It's a driving force. It's the culture. People. Now, if you would have said this in early '90s, late '80s, yeah. all right, I get it. Fuck the police, right? If you and now if you doing fuck the police, I get it. Or wonder why they call you bitch or yeah. hit them up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You doing hit them up against uh, ABC or some shit? You know what I'm saying? I get it. But oh, that's cr- oh, that's that'd, that'd have been wild. That'd be right? hard. That'd be hard. <laughs> but but, but hip hop is no doubt the lead. Force, so I just don't understand where that. Where, what do you think that disconnect is now? You know where they still feel. I don't know if it, I'm not gonna put words in their mouth, but yeah. threatened or they yeah. feel like it's something that's. He said it's fear, but yeah, I think it's just a generational gap, man. Yeah, because you know, I mean, literally, it could have been a you know some six year old dude in in New York gotcha. that made the decision. I think you know, like even when I'm home. And I and I put on rap around my mom, mm-hmm. like she's very uh, she's very like auditory sensitive, and like she doesn't hear the words, she mm-hmm. just hears the beat, mm-hmm. and it sounds obnoxious in her ear, and she's gotcha. like, turn that turn shit off. off, right, right. You know what I mean? And it's, so it's like, there's other people that feel like that yeah. about this kind of music, and I think, you know, ultimately, I think what what disheartens me and what frustrates me is that like we have no problem showing up. In a couple different scenarios, we have no problem showing up when when people kill each other mm-hmm. in those in these areas, um, and we have no problem showing love to a guy like Nipsey because they did a a, a pre Grammy. Now, granted, the Grammys were on CBS, so it was a little contrived, but we did a pre Grammy <laughs> interview with Nipsey Hustle. And shout out to Pat Harvey; she's an amazing woman. Killed the interview, and she's an awesome, awesome, not only advocate for me but for her people, and just she's an amazing person. Um, and so they did a great job, but I think. What I was doing was Nipsey's here, pre-Grammy nomination. He's he's already released Victory Lap. He's on on the top of the West Coast. Community leader, pillar, all that. Right? All that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to get behind a guy like that. Mm-hmm. What about a guy like Rucci? Yeah. Who I'll do my next video on and who literally from the time he was like three years old was around gang members, his whole family. Mm-hmm. So it's like... We're taking a guy like that. Now, is he any less deserving of that love? No. He just hasn't had the time to mature to a guy like Nipsey in terms of age and life and all that. And he can get to that point. And I'm showing him love before he's got to that point. And so that is scarier for them than like this polished artist that they can say like, oh, see, we're in in the Crenshaw district. We're showing love. It was like there's a whole lot of other Nipsey's coming up. And I say that not in the sense of like Nipsey is one that for for decades there will be another no one else like him. Facts. But what I mean is like there's other guys that are aspiring to be like Nipsey. And all I'm saying is like they haven't made it to that level of of stardom yet. But I'm showing them some love down here, and there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. And it shouldn't be scary for me to rap to these guys' music in my car and show them love, especially if I'm not cursing but at the end of the day it was considered juvenile and even the things like me showing the crenshaw backpack at the seattle stadium when i got flown out there with the rams to cover a game that was a violation in itself yeah now i'm not making any money off of that it's a fundraiser for a football team but they didn't know that until after they had already fired me and i emailed the lady like look by the way you know that crenshaw backpack that you were upset about yeah 
I wasn't making any money off of that. That wasn't me utilizing this platform for my own cash. Like mm. this was to raise money for kids. But again, that goes back to the disconnect. The disconnect. And then instead of them coming to, and saying, "All right, so what was this backpack about?" And like, "What are you doing with these different artists? Like, what's the what's the reasoning behind it?" Got you. There's none of that conversation. It's just this music is what it is. It looks like you're you're pimping out your Instagram to these different brands. Like, we can't have it. And so that's their guideline. Why don't, why don't you think that the question is asked? That, I guess that was my point beforehand. Like, to me, that's where it feels like it was a higher up decision, like mm -hmm. maybe someone in corporate back east, um, where it wasn't about like, all right, let's go find out. It was like, hey, do you know about this? Like, this guy shouldn't be on air anymore. Mm -hmm. And if at that point, it's too late to ask the question. Got you. Um, but I'll never know, probably, right. um, about like what what was the real root of it where it came from, where the decision came from, how high up it came from. Um, but ultimately, I just think at the end of the day, I'm meant to be somewhere else. And it just wasn't um, wasn't the right place for me anymore, man. And, and I just, you, can do it, I'm and you can do it in your own way now. Like, and that's, exactly. that's the, to me, that's the most inspiring part about it. Sometimes uh, we get pushed into different lanes and different avenues. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it may seem crazy at the moment, but it's like, now you have full control of your 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 your, your intellectual property. You can yeah. do whatever you want to do in terms of like showcasing brands, showcasing artists, and just showing the love to the people that you actually want to show love to. What? Oh, good. No way. I was gonna ask you what percentage. So if you had like a fear, and you had uh, if you had a fear mm -hmm. and an excitement meter, mm -hmm. what percentage would be each one at given the at where you are now? Uh, zero fear, a hundred excitement. There you go. Because at the end of the day, man, and this isn't going to be the same situation for everybody, but I'm really blessed. It's the same reason I was able to go from Texas to LA without a real job lined up or anything solid. I essentially just put in my two weeks out there and was like, look, I got to go. I'm going to pack up this car and drive out to LA. I feel like I can make it happen. Wow. And it's because I say that because I was in a certain circumstance like i didn't have a wife and kids i have a mom back home that like if shit really hit the fan and went all to hell i could move back in for a couple months and get right. my feet back under me yeah. not everybody has that same scenario yeah. so i can say it's zero fear and 100 excitement but i also want to say that that's not just because i'm some badass running around like i got this all figured out it's like i'm also from a circumstance that i'm very fortunate like i have a mom who would hold me down if i needed it and and same with my brother like i would be okay let me ask you this there's two more things we can wrap yeah. up uh because i was i got into an argument with the, about one of one of the homies two days ago yeah. right do you feel like white privilege is real absolutely yeah i mean i think i think just the fact that um you know i'm able to do certain things like i'll just say like even on a very surface level like not without even getting super deep the fact that these videos have done well mm -hmm. is because i look like this right not like this with the beard but like <laughs> when i didn't have it and i was just buttoned up and i looked like a square that video is funnier to look at and hear than if you were to do it with your backwards hat and your west coast west coast shirt on facts period yeah. so and i'm able to utilize that now it's also about, for me, being mindful of it and being like, all right, I've been, like, we don't control the, the, the situation that we're born in, the skin color that we're born in, any of that. So this is my situation. And now me being mindful of that is like, all right, I'm going to have certain things easier for me if I 
am on the same side of the, of the street as a lady at night, like she might not be as scared of me as she would be of you with your backwards hat, period. And so me being mindful of stuff like this, I have to think, all right, well, what can I do for those who did not get born into the same situation that I am? And that's why I go to a place like Culver City, which to me is like maybe the last area on the west side that hasn't been gentrified yet in that Mar Vista Gardens area. And I'm able to sit with kids that most of them don't look like me and they were born into tougher circumstances than I was born in. And so like to me, that's all I can truly do. Like I can't change what situation I was born into, but I can be mindful of it and be like, all right, let me look around. Who needs some help around me? I fuck with that. And and I know you guys do because I see the work that you put in. I see the work that you put in. Like even just being a solid dad, like yeah, that's yeah. that's hard work. And and you showing up at schools. Like yeah. you could be a lot of different places. Yeah. And you're there being mindful of of Nipsey's message and the fact that he was showing up at schools and helping out playground basketball courts fixing them up and showing up and giving away shoes and bringing positivity back to the crenshaw district like that's how we honor him that's how we honor our families that's how we're mindful of like the situations that we're blessed into i fuck with that speaking of fatherhood is it i was reading something that said your relationship with your dad is the reason why you don't drink absolutely so like um my dad's alcoholic his dad and mom were both alcoholics. And again, like he was born into a situation that was not ideal. Like he would go to, he's like 10, 12 years old. His mom and dad would bring him to the bar with them. And he's playing shuffleboard by himself for hours while they get wasted. So, you know, obviously once he got married and had myself and my older brother, like there's certain stresses put on his life that he didn't know how to deal with. So he turned to the bottle too. And he's in a much better space now. He lives in Thailand, so he doesn't have the same amount of stress on his life, but he still drinks. And um, it's just something that thankfully I had an older brother who, you know, tough time when you're like those real challenging years are like, you know, your high school years, especially early on, like which path are you going to go down to? How are you going to fork in the road? Yeah. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And fortunately my older brother was like, I'm not drinking at all. I'm not doing any drugs. And you know, I looked up to him with such a, you know, to such a degree that I would taste stuff in high school. I've never had a beer. I've never been buzzed. I've never been drunk. And I haven't had a sip since my senior trip of high school. Wow. So it's been, you know, I'm 36 now. So we're talking, man, 19 years without a sip of alcohol and uh and i don't even think about it anymore but yeah absolutely to your point to your question it's um it was certainly seeing the the effect that it had on my dad um his relationship with my mom and how you know it cost him that marriage it cost him for many years a relationship with my older brother and i because we just we weren't going to be around it and it wasn't positive and didn't feel good to be around him when he was drinking it just wasn't Good. Did you guys hash that relationship out? Because I saw you flew to to Thailand. Yeah, to yeah, link absolutely. Up with so, him. so Chuck does his research. I want to let you guys know. <laughs> yeah. that, uh, Chuck, Chuck yeah. read an old uh, WordPress yeah. uh, essay that I wrote. But essentially, yeah, I was able to go out to uh, Bangkok, Thailand, and just have a sit down with him. And I, I'll remember the day forever. Um, it was like we were walking. I stayed out there for maybe two weeks, and a few days in. Um, we went for lunch and out in Thailand, they have just like monsoon rains out of nowhere. It'll just start pouring. And we had just sat down for lunch and it started pouring and it poured for like a good almost two hours. And so we were just sitting there talking and, and it got deep and I was able to, um, you know, let him know that there were certain things as a, when I was a kid that I didn't feel like he lived up to my hopes 
for not only him, but how I'll be as a father. And, um, and he was able to, to be, you know, really forthright about some of the challenges of being with my mom, because when you're a kid, it's like, you see, I saw my mom is like the angel and him is the devil and not the devil to that extent, but like bad and good. Right. Right. And after, you know, at that point in my life, I had enough relationship experience to where I could understand where he was coming from more and understand also how his upbringing had affected him and how he really wasn't equipped with the tools to handle being a dad, let alone a husband. Mm. And so those things were challenging for him and he coped the way that he had seen his parents cope. And obviously it wasn't in a positive way, but, um, but yeah, I was able to understand more of where he was coming from and the challenges that he was faced with and why he felt like alcohol was needed in his life so heavily at that time. I think that's so important too, man. The only reason why I brought that up is because you, you mentioned earlier about the silver lining between Nipsey. And one of the things that was kind of profound for me, like, the first few days, I just, I didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, and even I got to shout you out, man. You you hit me literally the first night and was like, yo, you know, do you need anything? I, I come bring some food to the station. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. I know that's off the record, but just those, those things alone show the testament in your character as well. But it allowed me to look up and say, damn, something like that that's so tragic mm-hmm. allowed allows these conversations to be had, right? Mm-hmm. Allows a whole, the multiple hoods in LA to unite in solidarity that hasn't happened since 1992, mm-hmm. right? Like, so it's as crazy as tragic that is, it's like you look at like, okay, well, damn, it took that for this to happen. It's like, I planned on, I said on the last podcast, to start implementing like more of that in my life. And mm-hmm. I think that, it helped you out back then to have that conversation with your pops yep. and really get that out and just, you know, because a lot of people hold on to it. Mm-hmm. They never want to reach out. They never mm-hmm. want to do that and just assume the worst or whatever the relationship was. But the fact that you got a chance to talk to him and hear his side of the story, yeah. granted, you guys probably aren't the best of friends now, but at least right. you have an understanding. So I think that's commendable. I think that needs to be talked about. I think that needs to be encouraged. I think that's something that people need to do on a regular basis because you'll feel way better about yourselves after that. You know what I'm saying? So, I say all that to say I commend you for that. I think that's amazing. Yeah. It speaks high volumes of, volumes of who you are and your character as a person. Mm-hmm. And I just think that a lot of things are going to come great in your way towards the future. And I think that if people don't, if you haven't already gotten it by this episode, this man is a, a, a great motivator. And I think you can look at your life and see the things that are happening mm-hmm. based off of your character. You know I what agree I'm saying? with that, yeah. So, um, last Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, what you call it? Well, you know I fuck with you, like heavy, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? You family to me, in my opinion, just because not only because you embrace the culture, but you actually are the culture. You live the culture. You know what I'm saying? You you live by Nipsey's lyrics. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? You do you do go to these areas and stuff like that. I I don't know what your level of I, well I do know professionally backlash yeah. has been brutal. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You lost your job, your yeah. livelihood. What about? Do you get any other backlash? Like, what do you say to people who say you exploit hip hop? You know what I get? Do people say that to you? Very little, bro. And I was actually very mindful of that when I first started doing the videos. I would do like a rap video on a Monday, and then on Friday I'd do Elton John. (laughs) And the next Friday I'm doing Michael Bolton. Right. Because I needed to see what the temperature was. Yeah. And and I wanted people to see uh, that it wasn't coming from a place of exploitation and that it was me... Showing love, A, and B, making fun of myself and not making fun of anybody around me. Because, like, if it's uh, county jail fades and I've got my clippers out, I know damn well what a county jail fade is. (laughs) 
but I've got the Clippers out to make fun of myself, <laughs> as if I don't know what the and hell he's talking about. Right, right, you know what I mean? Right, right. So like that's and most people, ninety nine point nine percent, pick up on that. Mm-hmm. You're always gonna have an outlier yeah. here and there that's like you're a cornball, and that's fine. Like again, what I do is subjective. Anytime we're doing this stuff, it's subjective. You don't have to love it, but if you can't look around at the timeline in its whole and the other stories and me as a person, what I'm doing and realize that that's not the case, then you're just not a smart enough person to be on my page. And then I'll just have to probably block you. There you go. So, uh, so what's next for Kevin Quinka, man? Just continuing to put out my own content. I'm, I'm actually really excited. Um, just recently I was over at uh, classic industries down in Huntington beach and they're helping me refurbish my, uh, my old Firebird, and wow. so to get that car looking really cool, mm-hmm. and to be able to create some content with that, um, and even in 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 the old uh, the the daily driver to jump around and, and get a guy like uh, Delay, comedian, and get him in the passenger seat, pick up different people, and have not only an opportunity to rock out to some songs together, but also do a real interview yeah. and like let's head someplace um, meaningful in your life. So it's it's all stuff that will be put out on YouTube, on Instagram TV, on Facebook. Um, And over time, it'll be the kind of thing that I'll take to uh, get sponsored by a company or go to a place like Netflix or Quibi or these different places where we're going to be able to have uh, content live Mm -hmm. and and be able to make a living from that content. So that's what I'm really excited about is, you know, when I was in college, these opportunities weren't available. And had I gotten fired in 2005, I'd be shitting bricks right now. (laughs) Because we're living in this different day and age where you actually can go out and make your own content. Um, That's where all this stuff is going to live. And it's all going to be Kevin Cuenca TV K-E-V-I-N-C-U-E-N-C-A-T-V. I'd plug my shit before you could say don't plug your shit. And that's on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff. So that's the way to um, to check out the content that I'll be making. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Real shit. One, one, one final question I do want to ask. Yeah. We just want to get specific with it. The year can't end without Kevin Cuenca doing what? <sighs> Two things. Doing a... Uh, Hustle and Motivate job fair with DJ Head and Chuck Dizzle okay. in, in Crenshaw. Say no more. Where we all have our booth set up and kids can come and ask us questions about how to do this stuff. Um, and then in addition to that, um, continuing to create my own content and to find a sponsor for uh, two different um, digital shows that I'll be doing. And, uh, and be able to put that out directly to the people that have been rocking with me. Um, and shooting in the gym so um that's what's so exciting is just the fact that like we can literally create content and put it out and uh and head and i might have something in the works as well yeah, a little something something, something. you know yeah, i don't want to peel back the curtain too early you know west coast well no nah, man we, we do <laughs> appreciate something. you coming on through man you you are definitely a, a, beforehand but we'll just make it official now you are a homegrown homie man so i appreciate that Appreciate you coming on through. We look forward to seeing the future and everything else, Kevin Cuenca. So this is what it is. Chuck Dizzle, DJ Head, Homegrown Radio, and we out.